So this morning I want to speak about um, a very true fact that Jesus is alive. Um, he is. <laughs> he is alive. A Muslim once got saved and his friend asked him, why, why did you convert to Christianity? And he said, well, it's, it's like this. It's sometimes you get, you're on a journey and you get to a fork in the road. And there's a dead guy lying on the one road and a, someone alive on the other side. Which route will you take? Oh, up for the one <laughs> or the living. And, um, and he's alive. And that's what sets Christianity apart from any other religion is that he's alive. And it's a proven fact. He is alive. It's a proven fact. Joe Struble, he was a lawyer. And there's been a n- numerous lawyers that have tried to look at all the evidence. And there is evidence upon evidence and eyewitness accounts and non-Christian accounts of the fact that there was a person that rose from the dead during that time. And if you want to do yourself a favor, you get hold of the book um, from Joe Strubel. What's it called? Um, the? Lee, 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 Lee. <laughs> Lee Strubel. <laughs> the evidence, eh? The Case of Christ. I've got another book in my head now. The Case of Christ from Lee Strubel. It's packed with evidence. He was trying to prove that the resurrection didn't happen. And in his studies and in his research and interviewing people, he came to this conclusion that the resurrection of Christ is a true fact. It is a fact. Now, if it's a fact, what does that mean for each of us? Because it can remain a fact or it can become a transformational truth to each one of us. And that's what it needs to be. It needs to be a transformational truth and not just the facts. He did arise. He did rose from the dead. And it's relevant to every single person on the face of the earth. It's relevant to every single one of us sitting here today. I want to look at an account um, in Luke 24. And just highlight a couple of things that I believe is relevant to us. And just look at their, the impact the risen Christ had on them. So we pick up the story here in verse 13. Now the same day, two of the men were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have happened here these days? So these two men went to the grave, sort of empty, and they confused what's happening here. And they're walking back to Emmaus, seven-mile journey, and they downcast. What's going on here? We thought Jesus, carry on the story, if you carry on reading, they share that they were hoping that Jesus would come and rescue them from the Romans. They thought you'd turn everything upside down and set them free. And nothing is happening and they're wrestling with it. And this person who's Jesus carries on speaking to them and he starts opening up the scripture in the Old Testament from Moses through the prophets. And he speaks to them about his resurrection. We pick up the story again as they come close to Emmaus. And um, they said, look, you can't go. Come, dine with us. Come, come into our house. Come sit with us. 
And Jesus goes with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Imagine that. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found their living and those with them assembled together. And they share that they seen the risen Christ. A couple of things I just want to highlight. Is they were trying to wrestle this thing out in their head. What, what is this thing about Jesus? And they were wrestling in their head and they didn't, got in, they didn't get anywhere. And then there's a moment of revelation where it went from the heads to the hearts. And they experienced the resurrection Christ. And their account is that their hearts burn within them. Are we still feeling the burn of encounter with the resurrection Christ? The, the journey to Emmaus was seven miles for them. Our journey to Emmaus is a 45 centimeter journey. Mine's probably 30 centimeters from our head to our hearts. And that journey, just like those two did, we need to take daily, maybe more than once a day, and journey from our head to our hearts, where we allow the risen Christ to impact our daily lives and our situations. It says that they were downcast, they were in despair, trying to figure out, yeah, trying to make sense of it. But when the encounter happened, there was no more despair. Man, they forgot about their business in Emmaus. Like they live there. Like, we don't care. We want to go tell others because we've just experienced something. And the last point I want to make, there was a renewed passion to speak about the resurrected Jesus. Sometimes we are quiet and our lights are hidden under a bucket because we're still here. And we haven't effect, allowed the, the resurrected Christ to impact our lives. The power of the resurrected Jesus needs to affect our lives daily. So he's alive and each one of us daily need to take the journey to Emmaus from our heads to our hearts. I've seen it in church. I've seen it in my life. How you settle for a form of godliness. You always think it's so bad. But I reflected and I think I've settled for that daily. Where I do the Christian thing because that's where I am now. But I deny the power. I don't access the resurrected power that's available to me daily in every situation. And my encouragement to us today is to access that daily. To access it daily. So it's a known fact, but it needs to be a transformational truth in our lives. I want to highlight four things about the resurrection. I'm not going to preach long today. That was not the plan. Um, but I want to highlight four things of the resurrection. Maybe that can help us to, in every situation, daily, do the journey from our heads to our hearts. I mean, I know many of us can wrestle through Scripture and talk through Scripture. We know Scripture. But we sometimes miss the power of the resurrected Christ within us. He's alive. So let's look at four things about the resurrection, four keys, four reminders. And I'm, I'm hoping that that would stir your heart. And at the end of this meeting, your heart will burn again as you encounter him, the resurrected Jesus. So firstly, 
the resurrection vindicated Jesus' claim that he's the son of God. Why is that important? Because we're not serving a concept or idea or religious form. We're serving the living God. And Jesus is the son of God. And his claim about the resurrection vindicated that he is the son of God. And that's relevant to each one of us. Every day we face, we serve a living God, an available God, a God that we have access to. And his resurrection vindicated that. He claimed that I'm the son of God. I've been sent to save all of humanity. His resurrection proves that. His resurrection vindicates that. So no longer is it just a true fact, but it's a, a living, available, accessible truth. Secondly, the resurrection is a sure seal of our salvation. Romans 4 verse 23, it says, um, The words it was credited to, to him were written not for him alone, but for, also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in, whom, in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He delivered us, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was raised to life for our justification. Justification is a big word. It means this, just if I have never sinned. Just if I have never sinned. In right standing, our righteousness, like um, righteousness can be explained to be in right standing with God. We all have sinned. All of us have sinned. No matter how good life you've lived, you've missed the mark. And the wages of sin is death. And we deserve to hang on the cross, to die for our sins. But Jesus, because he was risen, set us free from the bondage of sin and put us in a right relationship with God, just as if we've never sinned. If it wasn't for the resurrection, there would have been no justification. There would have been no right standing with God, which meant there would have been no access to the living God. Why is the resurrection important? Because without it, this would have been Useless. Paul writes, he says, the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if it's not for the resurrection, our faith is futile. It's a waste of time. We're just like any other religion. But because of the resurrection, it says that he imputed, he puts into us his justification, his right standing. And now we're in a place free from sin and we have access to the living God. That's incredible. That's incredible. And it's available for each one of us. So if you're sitting here, I'm going to give you opportunity today to respond to this Jesus. Because one thing is certain, we will die. There was a golfer in the 90s that was diagnosed with cancer. And um, he just won a couple of PGA tournaments. And he was rocked to the core. And there was a um, chaplain on the golf course, uh, on the golf tour. And he was sitting, chatting it through with her after the diagnosis. She said to him, you know, many people think we're in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying, but actually we're in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living. And that changed things for him, and he responded to the gospel. We all will die. We all will stand in front of a living God. And those who responded to this Jesus will be in right standing with him and spend eternity with him. This is a this is truth. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, society wants to dim it down. You know, just be good. You know? 
Things won't be bad on that side of the grave. For some it will. And so I choose. But those who are in right standing with Christ will live for all eternity. And it's because of the resurrection. Had Christ remained in the tomb, God's promise to the sinner of eternal life could not be fulfilled. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, and we believe in our hearts that He was raised from the dead. It's got to go from the head to the heart. And we need to believe that He was raised from the dead. So I will give. Some of you might be sitting here and you've never responded to Jesus. Or maybe you have and you've drifted off. Today is that day that you can respond and be in right standing with God. Thirdly, The resurrection allows for transforming power in us through relationship with Jesus. The resurrection is for then and it's for now as well. Christ lives within us. The resurrected power of Jesus Christ is within us. It says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and alive and in us. It's within us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's incredible thought. And more than a thought, it's an incredible reality. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. Philippians 3. Paul writes, is it there? But it ever were gains to me, and I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. So here Paul is saying, look, I've been probably the best Jew out there. If you're looking for a poster boy, I'm that guy. I'll be the face of Jewism in the early century. I'm the guy. And he says all of that, all my best efforts. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this, that your best efforts means nothing. The Bible says it's like filthy rags. Our best efforts mean nothing. If it wasn't for the resurrection, we would have no access to God. Even our efforts, Paul's saying, his efforts means nothing. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, my efforts, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want to know the power of His resurrection. In Philippians, in Ephesians 1, Paul writes a prayer that he has for the church. He says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts, not your mind, not that you'd come to a comprehension or an enlightenment of mind, no, 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 that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance 
in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. He prays that they would come to know that power. It's within them. That power is available to every single one of us. There's a book out, Practicing the Presence of the Lord, and it's encouragement to spend time in the presence of God. I'm going to take it slightly further. From that place, we need to learn how to access the resurrection power of the Lord on a daily basis. So we can be in His presence and not necessarily learn how to access it in our daily situations. And we need to learn how to access that power that is available. Paul prays that they might see it and they come to know it. And that's through a living relationship with Jesus. And learning in those moments to access that power, that transformational power. It says that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within us, and it helps us to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. Some of us are struggling in sin, asking for prayer, and just struggling and struggling. I want to tell you the resurrected Jesus is within you, and there's access to overcome that sin. Because the Scripture says... That it helps us to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. And not just the, the, the sin, it's the anxiety, it's the worry, it's the misdeed of the flesh. It's the arrogance and your pride. The resurrected power of Christ within you helps you to put to death those things. And to overcome those things. Probably the best example is Paul and Silas in jail. Now you've got to understand this, that Paul was persecuting the church. And he had an encounter, and it changed everything for him. He had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. It transformed him. And so Paul and Silas, they do deliverance on a lady. Do deliverance on a lady, that's a good thing, right? Right? That, that would be a good thing. Do you think it's something that God would be pleased with? Eh? You know where the story is going. That's why you're not answering. Eh? <laughs> so, so that was something that God would be pleased with. So, the deliverance. So this guy that had this lady that was doing fortune telling and, and whatnot, um, he was quite upset that this lady is now free because now she doesn't have the power to do this and that means that he's losing money. And don't touch your guy's money. And so he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lie and get these guys in jail. So he lies and eventually, Paul and Silas get thrown into jail. But before that, they got beaten. And then putting in an inner prison. So that's like a really bad case of prison in the first century. Right? That's, that's really bad. That's like not a prison in America. That's like a prison in India. Okay? That, that's, that's really. So they're there in a very bad place. Their feet are bound. I mean, they're human. They're probably eight. They've got nowhere to go. They're stuck there. They were just beaten. Their back's burning. They did something for the Lord. How many of us in that situation would grumble? Like, oh, man. Like, God, I did this for you. I mean, I can still handle the prison, but now it's the inner prison and the beating, and it's like, God, where are you? I don't deserve this. And they're grumbling in their horrible situation. Or they weren't grumbling in their horrible situation. We would. 
What does Paul and Silas do? They start singing hymns and praise to God. How can you, in a position like that, sing praise to God? Because you've accessed the power of the resurrection inside of you. You say, I can put to misdeeds the flesh. I want to moan. I want to be frustrated. I want to be angry. But I can't. Because I'm accessing the life and the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to praise Him. And I'm going to allow Him to open up the grave of my grumbling, the grave of my frustration, the grave of my anger. He's going to open that up and I'm going to be in freedom. Because He doesn't necessarily promise that He'll always sort out your situations, but He will set you free from the misdeed of flesh and the bondage of sin. He'll set you free. He wants to open up that grave for you. And they started singing. What happens? Earthquake. Prison doors goes open. Boom. They set free. You see the jailer that wants to kill himself. Some of you probably would have like, yeah, he deserves this. You know, he's like, this guy was bad. Let's just leave him. I don't know what they do. They move by love. How can you be moved by love in a situation like that? You allowed your life to be transformed by the resurrected Jesus. And now they're moved through a new passion, renewed love for a person. And they actually make sure that that guy's life is saved. And for eternity, he's saved. Power of the resurrection Jesus. Through that relationship, they access that. We recently had an admin staff meeting. And there was something that I was starting to get upset about. And I sort of, frustration started to bubble forth within me. And then in the meeting, I said a couple of things, and it was out of a place of frustration. And um, I left, and as I drove away, I just felt like the Lord convict me and say, you've missed it. You probably were right in some of the stuff you said, but your attitude was not of me. Your attitude was not of me. It wasn't Jesus. And so in that moment, I phoned up and sent a message to the team, and I said, look, I don't repent. I'm sorry. I missed it. I missed it. I allowed the flesh to take over. I want to now allow the resurrection power to come and transform and shape me so that I can be more like Jesus. And freedom came. Freedom came. That frustration, that irritation, it lifted. Some of us are sitting in difficult situations. Despair. Maybe faced with bad news. Maybe at work there's a difficult situation. Maybe at work your temper tends to boil because of the situation. You've got to understand as a Christian there's no excuse. You've got access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we need to learn in those moments to access the power that is available to us. We need to take the 45 centimeter journey. And not just in our head be a Christian, but actually in that moment at work. When your kids start pushing those buttons... And it's like, woo! <laughs> Let me quickly, let me quickly take that journey <laughs> before it's too late. And you access the power that's available. In that bad news, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's a situation. It's like, Lord, I'm overcome with fear and worry. But I'm not just going to know that you've saved me and raised from the dead and you live in me. I'm actually going to take that journey and access what is available.
Maybe you're in a hopeless relationship, married situation. I want to encourage you. Take the journey. Today, 3 o'clock this afternoon, tomorrow, take the journey. Does that make sense? Lastly, there's a guarantee of our future resurrection. A guarantee of our future resurrection. Jesus is our living hope. Colossians 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He is the firstborn among the dead. Just like a natural birth, the head flows and then the body comes. So we, the body, follows the head. And we will have a resurrected body at the end. And that should give us a living hope when we face things in this world. Our hearts should burn within us because we know that we've been set free. We've got a relationship with the living God. His resurrection power is available to me today. And I've got a hope of a secure future when I die. And our hearts burn within us. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of the heaven and the earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is the only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and he seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I believe. Today, I want my heart to burn for this assurance. The living Christ is not only alive, but he lives within me. And I will daily, in every circumstance, allow him to open up the grave of my despair, my worry, my turmoil, my fears. I will allow him to open up that. And I will live in the freedom that he has brought to me. Amen. So I want us just to take communion now as we wrap up the service. And... um. If you want to respond to this and say, Lord, I want to take the journey from my head to my heart. I've been, I've been stuck there. There's no more burn. I don't feel the burn anymore. I want you to just to take the communion and by yourself, just come and take it in front and just kneel before him. If you can't kneel, then just sit or stand. But just come before him and say, Lord, I want to feel that burn again. I've lost the burn. I've lost the burn. I've been in my head. If you don't want to respond, Take communion with someone else in your seats. So I want to create a space where people can respond to Jesus. And those that don't want to respond, let's bless one another and take communion together. Amen? Is that all right? Before that, I want to quickly ask if there's anyone here, you've never responded to Jesus. You've heard us speak about that Jesus is alive and he puts us in right standing with God. 
and you know that if you leave this building this morning, you won't know for a fact if you've been justified, if you've been in right standing with God. You, you won't know. You're not sure. I want to give you opportunity to respond to that. And if that's you, don't you quickly just want to raise your hand and say, I want to make right with God. I want to make right with God. I want to respond to Him. Is there anyone here? Just to give a couple of moments still. This is one of the most important decisions that you can make to be in right standing with God. We're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. Amen.